This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we are qualified London Blue Badge tourist guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London podcast and on our websites guideemily.com and alexlacy.com for information about our upcoming walking tours and virtual tours, as well as what the Blue Badge Guiding Qualification is all about. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Ladies Who London podcast. Uh, this is Alex here, and uh, we have somebody to introduce to you who is back. Hello, Em. Hello. <laughs> she, Hi, everybody. She's back. She's been off doing a little, little personal project, uh, but she's back with us. I'm back with you. Thank you so much for holding the fort last week, Alex. Really oh, appreciate that. Oh, no worries. Absolutely no worries at all. Uh, and do you have any news for us? I do. So there is currently a little baby in my arms right now. She is fast <laughs> asleep. So if you suddenly hear her uh, cry out, um, then I do apologise. But yes, yes, I've I've given birth. <laughs> <laughs> how, how wonderful. <laughs> Well, congratulations. It, on thank thrilled, you. Thrilled thank you very much. Here. Thank you. Yeah, she came about three days early. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of uh, action stations, go, go, go. Yeah. And Labour is an absolute B-I-T-C-H. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm here to tell the tale, so all good. Is it all going well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's an absolute delight currently, but I'm sure that will that will change. Oh, um, but yeah, so. love her to bits. So she's our newest lady who London's. Yeah, she well is. Done, well done for doing a girl one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Well, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad it's uh, that she arrived safely and that you're all uh, getting on really well, and, and we're thrilled that you're back as well. So uh, thank you, my love. Thank you. Yay. So back to back to normal, I guess. Well, we we missed, and I don't know if you got a chance to listen. Uh, you might you might have been doing other things. Um, I know, no, I did. It was um, it, yes, I, of course I did. Yes, I was in hospital for a few days, and she was asleep. So I I put it on, and I was like, oh, thank you so much. Like it was really nice. Like you telling people that you know I was giving birth. <laughs> um, yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, it was lovely to listen to. Oh, good. Well, you might have heard then that I was completely rubbish at being able to find all of the different polls from last week. Um, so we did put the poll up this um, uh, in the week from uh, last week's 
um, podcast pedestal. Um, so I think people probably know where it went, but it went your way, didn't it? It did. I completely smashed it. Um, <laughs> gosh, I can't remember what even. Oh, it was the Waving it's Queen, the waving wasn't queen. it? It was Denmark, Denmark Street, street. Waving yeah. Queen, um, which means, am I now ahead of you? No, I think we're even Stevens. Are we even Stevens? I am honestly getting a bit of a complex about this. Are you? Yes, I'm starting to think that everybody hates me. Um, excuse me, I have been on the back foot for such a long time, I've really Alex. So many in a row. Oh, so but honestly, many. like now you know how it feels. But you're only. <laughs> let me just check. Oh no, I am. I am ahead. It's seventeen sixteen to me. Oh really? You really, it? really. So you've got to up your game, Mrs. Oh, that's disappointing. So last week's podcast was on the Whitechapel Bell Foundry, yes. Um, and we had we we went we went hammer hammer to hammer. Yeah, hammer time. Yeah, we did <laughs> hammer time for our podcast pedestal. Um, and I went for hammer one, which was the first hammer that smashed the original Big Ben to pieces. Uh, who knew that there was an original Big Ben? And you went for hammer two. Yeah, I went for hammer two, which smashed the current Big Ben, which is still in situ that has a big crack in it. Brilliant choice, but. I'm not too sure if people thought so. <laughs> right. Well, we've had to change the voting slightly because basically my Instagram has decided it's it doesn't want to give me all the full details now. So it's giving me percentages instead. So we're going to switch to percentages, which is probably a little easier anyway to kind of get our heads around. So which way do you think it's gone? Hammer one, hammer two? Well, it went your way, I have to say, on my Instagram poll. Right. Um, I haven't looked at both of ours, uh, the joint ones. So I don't know. I feel like... Um, I feel like you've probably done it this week. Well, if I haven't done it, I'm going to be so cross. <laughs> so we lost like 20 on the drop. Um, the winner, it's 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 fairly well split, actually. 37%. Okay. 63%. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> not great for the 37% person, but... Um, and I'm, I'm sorry, you had your, your birth gift last week because this week it's gone my way. Oh, my Yay! God. So I literally just take one step ahead and that is it. That is yep. the joy. <laughs> I should have uh, enjoyed that moment a little bit more then. Well, your, because... your run of sort of eight wins on the trot. <laughs> well, was, it, was it really about eight? It was something. I mean, it was, wow, it was, it was yeah, pretty impressive, wasn't it? Yeah. Quite a lot. So, so uh, yeah, there we go. Hammer one takes it. Well, fair enough. Absolutely. Fair enough. So we're back at, well, we're 17-17 now, Alex. Goodness. All to play for All this week. All to play for. What are we doing? First to 100? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So, Emily, it's your turn this week. It is. Turn of the wheel last week landed in Fleet Street. Yeah. And a great pick, I think, actually. Dr. Samuel Johnson, who is an interesting chap. Um, he we is quite a bit, don't we? Um, around and about when we're guiding. Uh, we so please tell me more. Well, yes, I mean, when it comes to Dr. Samuel Johnson, what what do you think of? Uh, I think of the first English language dictionary. Yes, yes. I think of well, actually, I immediately think of his um, uh, grave in Westminster Abbey because we we talk about mm. that quite a bit, don't we? Mm, that's and true. His and his kitty cat he's got a little cat called hodge yeah um yeah it's a fabulous little statue if you like of his cat just outside of his old home i do like um in goff square which is just off of fleet street um and there are so many so many different things like paintings you've got a deaf mask of him in london oh really um, that? Uh, so that's in the national portrait gallery at least it was oh, i mean i don't yeah, know if it's moved i do remember um, seeing the 
Yeah, there's so, so many different things, so many links to him. But he wasn't born in London. He was actually, uh, no, he was born in Staffordshire, in Lichfield. Is that anyone in Staffordshire? (laughs) No. You loon. Um, so um, he was born in 1709 and Dr Samuel Johnson is known uh, for being a poet, uh, a playwright, a literary hero, an editor um, but his personality like I didn't realise until I'd kind of sunk into the the depths of Samuel Johnson <laughs> recently um, I didn't realise how much he had going on in terms of his health and and his personality so hopefully this will all come clear but basically let's let's talk about um his mother for a second so his mother fell pregnant at the age of 40 which in 1709 you know was seen as uh being in, in, you know incredibly old um and they really wor- were worried that he wasn't going to survive And actually, when he was born, his auntie said she would not have picked such a poor creature up in the street. Oh. (laughs) Isn't that awful? A little harsh. Yeah, just a little harsh. Um, So (laughs) a little bit worried about um, Samuel. Um, The father was a bookseller. So he had a family bookshop. And this is where Samuel Johnson gets into reading and loves Uh, looking at these old books that his father tried to sell. However, the family bookshop wasn't very successful and his dad didn't really have too much money. Um, Apparently, he had a very good memory. And there was one time when his mother would try and get him to read various biblical texts and said, "Okay, just sit there. What I want you to do is memorise um, this uh, this text, this it particular text. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and she leaves him. She suddenly goes up the stairs. And after about two minutes, he's behind her. And she's like, what are you doing, Samuel? I told you, go and, you know, memorise the text. And he said, well, I have. And he recites it to her. Whoa. And he could have only have read it maybe twice so he had a fantastic brain, wonderful memory. He got the eidetic memory, the one where you you just remember everything that you that you read. Yeah, that he must have done. Yeah, he must have done. He later contracted scrofula. Have you heard of this? I have. I'm not 100 percent sure what it is. It sounds itchy. Yes, it is. So it's something that attacks your lymph nodes, and it essentially gives you um, tuberculosis. Oh, fun. And you have all sorts of kind of sores upon your body, upon your neck, on your face. And it was known as the king's evil because it was believed that the royal family could cure it. So if the king or the queen could, you know, it could touch you, then apparently it would help you. Um, And actually, this is what happened. Samuel Johnson was touched by Queen Anne. Really? (laughs) Yep. On the 30th of March in 1712. Yeah, I'm sure that's what did it. Yeah. Do we think that helped? Obviously. Yeah, clearly. Well, no, <laughs> it definitely didn't. Um, also, they would say that something else that was curious, if you cut your arm and you left it, so you um, you basically didn't cover it up and you just kept it open, kept this wound kind of open for several years, then, uh, yeah, then it would... And you would, it would die of septic shock. 
yeah um but unfortunately so his health got worse his eyesight wasn't very good his hearing was bad because of this and he ended up having an operation which left him with permanent scars on his face and his body oh my god poor guy yeah 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 really bad um he had a brother he was called nathaniel and they were quite close so now we've got a family of four and they're really struggling for money at this point they're unable to pay um for the bills and to have that much food in the house and it was quite a struggle um to help samuel would stitch books for his father in his shop yeah and as I say, this is where, you know, he just can't stop reading all of these books and and loves um, Shakespeare and reading poetry. And he started showing signs of intelligence from quite an early age. I mean, obviously, I've spoke about the fact that his memory is just absolutely epic um, and just being able to retain so much, especially in the way of languages. He excelled in Latin. Uh, he would learn Greek as well and and French and just be able to hold so much information in his head. Um, he would start to show signs of um, Tourette's syndrome, which to, today we know about. It was diagnosed in the 1960s. Um, but at the time, you know, people were seen to having tics or... Um, making noises within their mouths or uttering words or shouting. And at the time, they didn't really know what, what this was. And Samuel, he found it quite hard to keep still. You would tend to see him kind of touching his fingers or moving his feet and, and always seemed quite agitated. I never knew any of this about him. Mm, no, yeah, no, I didn't either. Um, and uh, he starts to write himself. At this point, he starts to write poems. Um, he does like translations of various things like in Latin and Greek. Um, and eventually a family member, a cousin, a mother's cousin, his mother's cousin died and she left a little bit of money to the family, which enabled Samuel to go to university. Wow. That's yeah. 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 So he goes at the age of 19 to Pembroke College in Oxford um, and he doesn't spend the whole entire uh, study period there. He actually leaves before he receives his degree. And this is because he, his family ran out of money and unfortunately was unable to complete his degree. So never received that degree until he published the dictionary in 1755. Oh, really? And was it the publication of the dictionary that sort of expedited that? Uh, the, the the giving of the of the degree was it kind of like an honorary thing or did he go back and finish or what? it was an honorary thing he didn't go back and finish I mean he was very near completion anyway um but it was I should say actually it was just before it was published so he actually went to the university and said you know uh, I don't know if you remember me but I was a student <laughs> with you yeah. and you didn't actually give me uh, <laughs> my degree <laughs> um, any, any, any chance any chance at all um so they did in the end um but it was whilst he was at university where we've got you know his kind of earliest surviving publication and this was a latin translation of alexander pope's messiah oh yeah i would read a bit out but it's it's <laughs> no no you're good <laughs> it's a bit much for me <laughs> um 
Now, um, because he left without a degree, he found it incredibly hard to get work. You know, nobody really wanted to employ him. It took quite a while. Eventually, he found employment as an undermaster at a school um, where they allowed him to work without a degree. And what would for an undermaster be? What would that? So if you think about a headmaster, it's basically oh, okay. the, the second man to that, if you like. Gotcha. Um, and he did at some stage start tutoring David Garrick. Ooh. Mm, David Garrick, know. the owner of the most flamboyant tomb in Westminster Abbey. Yes, indeed. Yeah, bursting out of the curtains, isn't Hiya. he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hiya, <laughs> David over here. Yes, he was a very well-known Shakespearean actor. Um, now, in 1737, he moves to London in his late 20s. And this is where he starts um, trying to get a job and trying to make his big break as a writer. And he ends up working for The Gentleman's Magazine. I don't know if you've heard of The Gentleman's Magazine. Uh, I think I have vaguely, yes. So I it give you any information on it. Well, it, it went for a very long time, 1731 when it started, and it it went on until 1922. Um, it was created by a man called Edward Cave, who was an English printer, and it um, started life in St John's Gate, Clerkenwell. Oh, yeah, yeah. And on the front cover, you'd always see St John's Gate. Nice. Yeah, and actually, if you go down there, you have... Um, quite a few pictures of people that are related to the gate itself. I think you've got William Shakespeare there. Um, I think, you've, I think you've got Samuel Pepys, but you'll also see a picture of Dr. Samuel Johnson because he used to work there. Um, and he would write political debates, topical pieces, all sorts of things. But still, he found it quite a struggle to keep money or save money. He was basically working hand to mouth whilst he was there. Right. Yeah. Um, he wrote a biography about a man called Richard Savage. Have you come across him? Um, y yes. Now, why? Oh, hello. Savage. Savage, great name, isn't it? No, I can't, I can't place the name. So, um, Richard Savage was quite well known to be a bit of a dodgy kind of geezer. Oh, he's the dull um, boy of his day, is he? Yeah, a bit. <laughs> well, he was also a murderer. So when I say dodgy oh, right. kind of geezer, I think, you know. Yeah, um, up in the ante a bit. Yeah, up in the ante. There was basically this brawl that happened outside of a coffee house. Um, he was very drunk. He started a fight. Uh, a man was murdered by him. Uh, there was also a maid that was hurt. He was pardoned in the end, but was incredibly close to Dr. Samuel Johnson. Sounds a little bit like Ben Johnson. He, he was... Uh... Involved in similar sort of uh, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, in 1736, he writes a poem all about London. This is 263 lines. And he adored London. I mean, he was quoted in once saying, when a man is tired of London, he is tired of life. Oh, that, yes, that, that's Samuel Johnson, not Richard Savage. No, this is Samuel Johnson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I've moved on from Savage Sorry. Now. <laughs> no, this is definitely Johnson. Yes, who absolutely adored the city. Um, he also wrote um, a piece called The Vanity of Human Wishes, and it starts off, 
let observation with extensive view, survey mankind from China to Peru, remark each anxious, anxious toil, each eager strife and watch the busy scenes of crowded life. Ooh. And um, yeah, I've read quite a bit of it and it is it's quite interesting. It's like, you know, 18th century vanity um, and how he views vanity in people. It's, it's quite a good read. Wow. Um, now, appearance-wise, he was a very large fellow, and um, you'll know this if you've seen his statue, for instance, outside St. Clement Dane's Church. He was he was quite broad. He had quite a big head. He's got quite, um, quite a unique look to him, hasn't he? The hair is mm. quite remarkable and, yeah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and his hair would end up being singed kind of around the ends and at the front. Um, singed? because, remember, he had eyesight so whenever he was like you know probably working uh, quite late at night which he usually did he'd be by a candle and be so close to the candle <laughs> light and his paper that he'd singe the oh, top and the, the you know just kind of like the edge of his wig <laughs> <laughs> um in terms of his personality he I mean, some say he was either very silent or he was very noisy. He was very gloomy or he was very merry. Oh. And um, as I say, you've got this kind of this this twitch and he would make noises. I spoke about um, him having Tourette's. Um, and so he would uh, make clucking noises like a hen or he would um, make a half whistle out of his mouth. I had no idea he had Tourette's. That's yeah. so fascinating. Yeah. And I guess at the time as well, you know, because people would have thought that he was, you know, a, a little bit mad, should we say, not to be disrespectful to anybody. But at the time, they no, would have... a lack of understanding about any any different sort of medical complaints, isn't it? It's if you don't understand it and you can't reason it, you, you assume that there's, yeah, that it's, it's madness or something that's gone wrong there, which it hasn't. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But then as soon as anybody engaged in conversation with him... They just thought, wow, you know, this guy is hugely intellectual. Um, yeah. Um, he was also very anxious to go outside. And when he entered passageways, he had to um, use a particular foot. I don't know if it was his right or his left foot first, but one of the feet had to always go forward first to enter a passage. And this was actually um, seen by um, James Boswell. He was a writer who met Samuel Johnson about eight years after he created the, the dictionary and was obsessed with him and would have conversations with him and interview him and ended up writing the life of Dr. Samuel Johnson. Right. Mm. Yeah. Um, marriage. So he marriage. married... <laughs> marriage. <laughs> marriage. So he married a lady called Elizabeth Porter. She was 45 years of age. She was a widow and had three children. And um, she was actually married to Samuel's friend previously. And he was called Harry Porter. <laughs> Funnily enough. Um, but he died. He died from a terminal illness. Um, some say they saw a scar on his head. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, sorry. <laughs> Harry Porter. Uh I didn't even I did not even pick that up. What oh, sorry. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um Harry Porter died. Now, I, now, now that's all I can hear. <laughs> okay. And so Samuel um married Elizabeth. 
um, she gave up a lot to marry him. Um, I don't think it was a, a marriage made in heaven, but they did stick by each other's side. I mean, when she became quite ill later on in life, he stopped the dictionary, which I'll come to in a minute. You know, he stopped writing it for quite some time and any money that he was getting, he was put into the fees to keep um, to keep her going and oh. and give her what she needed medically. That's lovely. Yeah, yeah, really nice. So let's get on to the famous dictionary. Yes. Now, Samuel didn't suddenly wake up one day and think, oh, something that I want to write is the dictionary. This is completely my idea. It was actually a group of men who thought that there was a bit of a gap in the market. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, there were dictionaries before this one. And quite a famous one was by Sir Thomas Eliot, 1538. Um, and he was actually working for Henry VIII at the time. Oh. But it was quite simple. And you had other places around the world that had dictionaries. France and Italy had produced um, a dictionary at this point as we reached the early 1700s. But there was a group of men that thought, we need a new dictionary and we need to um, enjoy the fact that we are British and we love our language. Right. And for instance, I mean, in 1707, you had the Act of Union for Britain and people thought we just need a programme of Britishness. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds familiar. <laughs> uh, yes, I don't think anyone's. I don't think anyone, anyone has ever dropped this uh, <laughs> this need. Um, and a man called Robert Dodsley, who was a man in this group, who who you know were kind of on the search for somebody to write the dictionary. He knew Johnson quite well, and he knew of his talents and his writing skills, and he trusted him. So he convinced the other members of the group that you know we should definitely ask Samuel Johnson and see what he says. Mm. So Johnson, of course, said yes. And in 1746, a contract was written and he got paid 1,500 guineas over a period of three years. Okay, that feels like a lot. How much would It's about 250,000 in today's money. So huge, a huge amount of money. And three years, because when they said to Johnson, you know, this is obviously quite a big mission to create the dictionary. How long do you think you need? And he said three years. Wow. (laughs) And they were like, um... The French Academy took 40 years when they wrote this. (laughs) And it's like, I can do it in three years. Don't worry at all. Um, Wow. So (laughs) I'd just like to say that he didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because this is 1746. And as we know, it was 1755 when the dictionary was published. Still, though. Still, though, about about nine years, about nine years, knowing that he, he took a couple of years out, you know, it wasn't constant. Um, anyway, he but, did yeah, have. Goodness. I mean, that's yeah. Then what? Nine years, sort of, possibly a bit less against France's paltry forty years. That's um, <laughs> that's well, kind it's of impressive. Very impressive, isn't it? Yeah. Um, now, with the money, he moved into Seventeen Gough Square, which is where you can find that fantastic um, uh, statue of the cat, yeah. who has a little oyster, doesn't he? Yes, he does, and he's sitting on a pile of books as well, isn't he? Yeah. And apparently Samuel Johnson would give him oysters to eat, which we see is quite an expensive luxury item today. But back then, I think you could have easily have got got oysters. Oh, yeah, they were the, the, the food of the poor, weren't they? Because mm. they were so prevalent in rivers. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So uh, the dictionary that he created was just so detailed and what he really wanted to put in there, which the previous dictionaries didn't have, was quotations. So he would say a word or he'd write down a word. He would give you, um, you know, kind of an, ex an example of how you would use that word. And he would also put a quotation in there from um, from a famous writer of the day. You know, it might have been uh, Dryden, Shakespeare, Alexander Pope, who had used a particular sentence and used this word. So you could learn so much about the world through the dictionary yeah. and he would constantly be just researching all the time and anytime he found a quote he had a team of writers who would copy the quote down but he was the one who figured out what words he wanted to use um the different definitions and it, it just I, I don't know how he would have been able to sleep or switch off yeah and i don't know if you've seen the um the black adder um, oh no! Episode. I don't oh, it's so good. So um, you've got Dr. Samuel Johnson, who kind of comes in. Um, he's a bit of a. He comes <gasps> in as. No, I have, I have. Yes, I remember it now. Yes. Yeah, and he's a bit of a. He comes in as a bit of a fool, really. And um, and Blackadder starts kind of saying words at the end of the episodes that he completely forgot to put in. And he panics, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, <laughs> so good. Um, in terms of um, the words that he used, he used so many brilliant words. Fob doodle, Ooh. which means wretch. Oh, as 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 in two wretch? Or no, it means a, a person who like is a yeah wretch, a person. Right? So you'd say, oh, what a fob doodle, what yeah. a fob doodle. Let's bring that um, back. Yeah, definitely. Um, to to explain uh, uh, to to use dull in a sentence, he put to make dictionaries is a dull work is dull work <laughs> so you kind of get a bit of his humor kind of um understand how he's feeling at the time about certain things um to define oats he wrote grain which in england is generally given to horses but in scotland supports the people <laughs> <laughs> oh well, dear no caustic wit going on there uh, yeah and apparently a couple of his like team members who were helping him you know copy down these quotes were scottish so we think that he kind of put that in there just like you know it's a bit, of a, a bit of a funny <laughs> nudge uh, to define labor he put the labor of interpreting um uh, words and phrases so a lot of it is to do with kind of you know how his um you know what he's doing in terms of writing this dictionary what a legend uh, lunch as much food as one's hand can hold <laughs> okay i mean not my not my kind of lunch i'd need no. about five hands i think yeah, I mean, um, in one hand you only get like three jaffa cakes and you yeah <laughs> exactly that's not lunch <laughs> um this is quite funny fart noun wind from behind love is the fart of every heart it pains a man when tis kept close and others doth offend when tis let loose <laughs> that's amazing isn't that <laughs> fart noun goodness me if you ever um, um, check out you know susie dent who's a lexicographer and she she does a word of the day on twitter um and she often sort of trawls through she loves reading the dictionary randomly you know as you do and she trawls through kind of historical dictionaries as well to find words that have gone out of 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 common parlance like fob doodle and things like that um and they're absolutely brilliant 
So, so I, good. There, I bet there's an absolute wealth in his first dictionary of just oh, so many, so so many. Um, Shape Smith. Ooh. One who undertakes to improve the form of the body, a personal trainer. <laughs> I was going to say, PT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shape Smith. Um, hot cockles. Oh. A, hot cockles. Hot cockles, a game in which one covers their eyes and guesses who strikes him. <laughs> Sounds fun. Yeah. So in there, I mean, you've got information about the meeting habits of elephants, the use of opium, just so much. But he did become incredibly stressed um, at certain points, as you would. I mean, for instance, there was um, like 134 applications for the word take. So in terms of how you could use the word take, you know, he suddenly realised that there are just so many pathways coming off this one word. And it would take about 8000 words to explain all of those just for the word take. Wow. Um, he, in terms of verbs for the letter A, there wasn't too many complicated verbs. But then when B came up, you had verbs such as to bear, which, of course, again, yeah. could mean so many different things. So he had to keep on rethinking and changing the way that he was going to do the dictionary, because otherwise, if he was wanting to do everything that he did initially, it just it would have been. Well, I don't think he ever would have finished it. Well, no. Mm. That's incredible. Yeah. And he refused to send it to the publishers until he was completely happy, which meant that on quite a few occasions, the, uh, the the group of men who were wanting to publish the dictionary, they would threaten to storm his house. Mm. Um, but he stood by it and said, no, this is not going to be put out to the public until it is ready for them. Take so that, he, Blackadder. Yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> <laughs> stuck by his guns. Um and then as we go towards 1750, this is where he's running out of money. He's using the best kind of paper. Um, he's purchasing all these books to read. Um, and he just runs out of the money that he's been given. He's also got to help his wife in terms of her medical her medical attention. So he stops writing for, as I say, a good two years. Wow. Before eventually, you know, they sit down with Samuel and say, well, look, you know, what's it going to take to to get you excited about this again? And they come up with a new contract and it's a guinea per printed sheet, which is quite good. That's about a pound. Yeah. 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 Which is pretty good. And he employs two people. He did have quite a few, but he had to reduce it. But he employs two people to help him. Um, wow. And he has lots of people coming to his house. You know, people are starting to be really interested by the man who is trying to create the dictionary. People wanted to be around him and and hear about the different words that he was going to put in or try and convince him to put one of their words Amazing. in. Um, and somebody that worked in his house was uh, a man called Francis Barber. And he was born a slave in the sugar plantations in Jamaica. Yeah. He was brought to England at the age of 15. And he ended up being the manservant to Dr. Samuel Johnson. And they got on so close that when Dr. Samuel Johnson passes away later on, um, he leaves this man a huge sum of money, Tetty's wedding ring, which was his wife, his wife's wedding ring, um, and in the end, Francis, he opens a draper shop, he marries a local woman and is given the books and papers that were owned by Johnson and also a gold watch. Yeah, he's actually the Francis 
Barber's story um, is a really, really interesting one. And um, and his ancestors still live in, is it Lincolnshire that he settled in? Litchfield. Oh, he settled in Litchfield as well, didn't he? Yeah, I think they. I think Samuel Johnson set up a, a house, or there was a house or something for him and his new wife to move into. Yeah, maybe it was Staffordshire. Then I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fascinating. Mm. Um, you also had somebody that lived in the house for a little while called Robert Levitt. Have you heard of him? No. So he was a doctor, but a bit of a kind of a quack doctor. And apparently when he was in Paris, he got his training through going to the coffee shops and earwigging on conversations from medical students and would just write down everything that he heard. Amazing. And kind of went through life convincing people that he was a doctor. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he ended up living with Johnson for a while. And I think people would say to Johnson, you know, this guy's a bit of a bit of a quack Johnson would be like I don't care I find him fascinating <laughs> um also helped a woman called Anna Williams um who helped her father in connection of the Longitude Prize oh right her father was not John Harrison I was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> and we had a wonderful episode with you a few weeks ago where you told us all about John Harrison and the Longitude yeah. competition so obviously quite a few people involved in trying to solve Longitude and one of which was this woman's father yeah. she herself she was also a welsh poet and she was blind and um well her, her eyesight got progressively worse as she went through life and because dr samuel johnson's eyesight was also really bad he helped her he had her in his home and he would look after her i think kind of showing what um oh. what uh, a compassionate man he was yeah and that's kind of the sense i'm getting from all of this the number of he seems to have lived his entire life to help and serve other people his wife you know francis barber this girl as well like it just sort of seems that he his, his sort of driver was was you know making life better for other people yeah absolutely um, so finally, um, after getting his degree as well, convincing Oxford that, you know, he should be given this degree, um, he publishes the dictionary in 1755. Do you want to hazard a guess at how many words make up the dictionary? Uh, oh, that one or the current one? Uh, not the current one, that one. That one. Oh, right. Uh, I mean, okay. I, I, oh, um, where, where do I go? Um, how many i don't even know how many words are in the english language today so i don't know where to start let's go with a hundred thousand i mean i i've no bearing to stake this to but let's go oh, well no so it's forty-two thousand seven hundred and seventy-three. oh yeah so less than you thought actually but he did leave out quite a few words um things like blonde things like port i mean he certainly would have been aware of drinking port um but I, I guess at the time, you know, you think you're constantly being told words and you go, oh, damn it. I didn't put that in. Like, yeah. how could you possibly so maybe put that Blackout had a point. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it was true. Um, and this was used as the main dictionary until 1888 when we get the Oxford Dictionary. Right. What was it called before? Was it called just Dr. Johnson's Dictionary, was it? Or Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I think it was... I don't know if it was Dr. Johnson's dictionary. I mean, people knew it as his dictionary, right. but I think it was just the dictionary, the English dictionary. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, 2,000 copies were printed to start off with. Uh, it would have cost about four, four pounds and 10 shillings 
um, per copy. There were ones that I think you could get on the the dodgy markets, you know, which kind of left out probably um, <laughs> ST or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, WX, Y, Z weren't there, but <laughs> only cost a pound. Um, but he was hailed, you know, a national figure. There was um, a writer at the time called Walter Jackson who said um, he was the most famous single work, uh, the most famous person to create a single work of art um, in literature. Ooh, like yeah, that. yeah. Um, and he was basically known as the search engine of the 18th century. <laughs> <laughs> um, but having said this, you know, he still found it incredibly hard to um, pay his rent. He was actually arrested for not being able to pay his rent the year that it was published, oh um, mainly because he'd already had all the money uh, up front. Yeah. So there wasn't that much money coming in. Um and I guess if he decided to get a little bit per selling of the dictionary, you know, a little bit of money per book, then he would have made more money. But um, thankfully, George III comes along, 1762, and actually gives him a generous pension for his work. Um, George III um, is actually given a personalised copy. I should think so too. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, he's just known as the king, the king of literary london although he wasn't completely happy with it when it was published you know he said the english language is rich and this is poor so he did continue to create more volumes and and change it up here and there i mean you can imagine with a work like that you are never going to be 100 percent happy with it because there are always going to be things that change or Mm. otherwise we'd have had one dictionary and stuck with it so the fact that new dictionary has come out every year with new words you know, removed and, and put in and things like that. Yeah, that must be a fairly, um, I guess, unsatisfying mm, work. Yeah, doing. especially if you have, um, you know, there's but if there's like an obvious word, you know, you yeah. think, oh, God, like, for instance, banknote, that wasn't in there. Oh. And that would have been a very obvious word. However, retromengency is in there. Do you know what that is? Um, okay, so let's think about this logically. Retros, obviously, either back or behind. Mengency, is there anything to do with the brain? Is it like... Um, uh, retro men- No, I, I don't know. Uh, it's pissing backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I would not have got there. <laughs> it's when hairs, got the backwards bit. in particular, hairs piss backwards. So that was in there, oh. but banknote wasn't. <laughs> Retro oh, I know. Right, put that into a sentence this week. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but um, he did pass away. So his health um, just kind of got worse and worse um, as he went on. And in 1784, um, he does die. And as you mentioned, he is buried in Westminster Abbey. And actually, his final words were, I am Moritorus, um, which is I who am about to die. And he also said, Obviously. yeah, <laughs> I know. He also said um, when he was having a conversation with the person in the room with him to um, a physician, Thomas Warren, he said, no, sir, you cannot conceive with what acceleration I advance towards death. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine getting all of that out. You know, as I say, his mind was so great. And so his mouth was always full of wonderful words that even just before he dies, he does so in such an eloquent fashion. That's hilarious. Um, but eventually he did fall into a coma and he dies um, in 
1784. Finn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, in terms of places that are linked to him, I mean, of course, you've got Fleet Street. You can actually go into his house where he lived at number 17 Gough Square. Which I've never done. I've never done it either, Alex. Let's do it. Let's we should do it. do it. Apparently, there's a wonderful painting there by Joshua Reynolds of him as a baby. Oh. Not that you would have ever have met him as a baby, but <laughs> just... Take random baby that, called yeah. Joshua John, uh, Dr. Johnson, yeah. Yeah. Um, you can also find um, uh, one of his original dictionaries in the British Library. You can go to his birthplace museum, which is in Litchfield, which is where he grew up with his parents. There are so many different things. Um, and as you mentioned, his burial in Westminster Abbey. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What a great story. Thank you. you it's funny because you often, you know, we often talk about Dr. Johnson and our one-liner is he's the the you know the writer of the first English dictionary, and it's often quite a sort of detached thing of going, he wrote the dictionary, but you don't think about what brought him to that point and the thing of him reading and finding words amazing and his amazing knowledge and his amazing memory, and you often don't think about the reason that it would bring somebody to to do such an incredible feat like that um yeah it, I, it's it's fascinating yeah what a guy i never knew he suffered from tourette's that's so interesting yeah when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply podcast pedestal so um podcast pedestal then what are we gonna pick um i'm i'm gonna go for the story of him and his mum that amazing memory oh that's a good one of him just suddenly going her going you know clearly I need to keep him out from under my feet. I'm going to give him this to do. Mm. Busy, and all of a sudden, two minutes later, he's like, "Yep, got it." It just that just shows, I think, the remarkable capacity of his brain and what he was capable of. Mm. That's a really good one. Yeah, I think that's my one. What are you thinking? <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. I'm quite tempted to go for the pissing backwards. I do know what that was on my list as well. The retro mini, what's it? Do you know what? I think I'm going to go for that. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's just, um, it's just quite obscene, isn't it? Brilliant. Of all the ones that go in there. Yeah. So retro mengency. There we go. Retro mengency. I think I'm going to go for that. People, you know, are not especially if they see it and they haven't listened to our podcast, they're going to think, <laughs> "What on earth?" Yeah. I might have to put in back in brackets, pissing backwards, but I don't want to, you know, uh, possibly shock have people. The, uh, have the um, the number of characters um, to do it if you can, yes, but um, you might not be able to. No, it's brilliant retro mendency. Oh, is that definitely what I'm going to go for? It's funny because I that was my that was my other choice. Oh, was it? Then maybe yeah. I should. Yeah. Mm. okay yeah all right yeah i'm gonna go for that one retro emergency brilliant 
Lovely. You've gone for something rather exciting and I've gone for something fairly boring, which is, you know, the (laughs) first sign that we see his amazing brain with the the memory, feet of memory with his mother. We'll have to figure out a snappy way of saying that, but there we go. There we go. Fantastic. Those are your picks for this week, chaps. Enjoy. The Wheel of Destiny. So, Wheel of Destiny. Wheel of Destiny, yes. You're going to have to uh, spin the wheel carefully now that you've got a a sleeping... I know, I've literally got her on my... On my lap um okay carmen give me a finger <laughs> you're gonna get her in on, on the wheel immediately absolutely absolutely um okay so it's it's your pick anywhere in particular oh, yeah. um no actually i do need to fill up my list a little bit because my list has been getting a little bit empty of late so i need to have a little rummage for other potentials um so let's just hope that we get somewhere that i've still got somebody for or something for fingers crossed yeah, we go. okay off we go Oh, it's is oh I don't, I don't know if it's been here actually. It's landed in Kensington. Have we been to Kensington? Oh, uh, Ada Lovelace. Ada Lovelace way back at the very way start. Way back. Yeah, back. goodness me. Um, and we linked her to the science museum, didn't we? We did. Yeah. Um, so Kensington, yeah. I mean, goodness me, a ton of stuff. Because I, I quite what I quite like about this uh, this podcast is we can kind of pin something really randomly to, to a place that they might have been just briefly uh, but it's enough to pin it so um what should we do this week well oh actually i tell you what i do have somebody listed for kensington um and again it's, it's a kind of pinning it slightly to a place because she's not really based in london that much but okay. she's linked to the royal geographical society um, and it's a british explorer called isabella lucy bird oh okay yeah. fantastic name isabella Great. lucy bird yeah Okay. So uh so she yeah, we're gonna link her to the Royal Geographical Society and explore her next week. Wonderful. Well, I don't know anything about her, so looking forward to it, Alex. Exciting, yeah, that'll be um that'll be fun. A bit more a bit more women's history. Um because what have we done? Have we done many people lately? Oh we did Samuel um, Johnson this, this week. Uh, that was a person. Yes, he was a man. Um done a few places, haven't we? Well, yeah. Mixing yeah, mixing it up, mixing it up, yeah. making a cocktail. Absolutely. So there we go. Isabella Lucy Bird for next week. Lovely. Well, brilliant. Well, Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming along to the podcast. Um, We're thrilled you're back. (laughs) Used to be back. (laughs) Yeah, I've still got some people sort of lined up just in case, you know, you ever have a week where you're like, I can't bear it. I can't do it. She won't shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I suspect there are some of those in our future. Um, My nipples fallen off. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> too much information too much information <laughs> but thank you everybody so much for coming along please like uh, subscribe and rate us as well um, and yeah j- drop us a line if you want to get in touch please you know join the conversation let us know what kind of things you would like added to our little list of things coming up or if you have any personal I quite like it when people email some personal things about oh I, I, I used to go to this school that was linked to so and so or whatever I quite like that yeah absolutely yeah please feel free to get in touch yeah. Absolutely. Well, listen, treat to see you, Em. You too. And to see your, your new arrival as well. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you all next week for more Ladies Who London. Lovely. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.